Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's Foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. Remember a couple podcasts back, I mentioned one of the great values of getting a young team into the playoffs, and that value being that you get to find out who is really worth building around. I think I was talking about the, both the Memphis Grizzlies and the Phoenix Suns, and specifically how Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton appeared to be showing they were worthy of that distinction. Well, I may have spoke too soon. Aiton has continued to be magnificent in his way. You're not going to run your offense through him, but he competes at the defensive end, and he's practically an automatic bucket if he catches it within six feet of the cup. And he's got pretty good hands, so odds are he's going to catch it if you throw it. He's also continued to be able to score, even though he's played the last two games with Cameron Payne primarily as the point guard, or Devin Booker, as opposed to Chris Paul. This is a stat that is mind-boggling, considering he's doing against the best regular regular season defense in the league in a playoff series. He's made 32 of 39 field goal attempts through the first three games of this series. That's crazy. Booker, on the other hand, is demonstrating why for all of his scoring talent and silky smooth jump shot, the Suns never sniffed the playoffs until Chris Paul came to town. Booker has no feel for how to manage a game. And the playoffs are like a truth serum when it comes to the actual effectiveness of a player's game and his understanding how, of how to apply his skills to maximum effect. Because he has to face the same opponent over and over 
giving that opponent both time and motivation to find every flaw in his game and exploit it, or at least test him to see if he's capable of making adjustments. Booker's flaws are the kind that show up more in the standings than the box score, such as he's an emotional player. Not an emotional player in, I get my teammates going. An emotional player as in, I don't get a foul call that I expected. Or someone from the other team is talking trash. Or I miss a couple shots and somebody from the other team is talking trash. And now I'm all about this one-on-one battle. I'm all about proving that guy wrong. I'm all about answering him and his trash. That's what I've seen Booker do the last two games. You, it's not wise to do that in any game, regular season, but particularly in the playoffs. That's not how it works. The games are naturally emotional. They're naturally full of competitive spirit. You have to be able to stay focused. I just feel as if the Lakers recognize Devin as a very talented but young player and are toying with him. They're winding him up emotionally. They're getting him to take shots that are an answer to whatever trash they're talking. What we're seeing is as the competition level goes up, so does Booker's temperature to the point of distraction, especially if he's struggling. Flagrant two he received for shoving Dennis Schroeder in the final minutes of the Suns game three, 109-95 loss was completely warranted, the flagrant foul, that is, being assessed that, and completely unnecessary. And I don't think it's any accident that it came at the end of a 14-point loss and a night in which he shot 6 for 19. Although, I must say, Anthony Davis, the Lakers' Anthony Davis, talking about how unnecessary and dangerous Booker's push was after the game is the height of hypocrisy. This is the same AD who punted Jay Crowder's privates on a leg kick in the opening minutes of Game 2. And and miss me on the, it's a basketball play, he was taking a fallaway jumper, and it's natural to kick your leg out. Yeah, it is. It's not natural, though, to lift your foot at the end the way he did. And whether he meant to do it or not, the fact is, he got Crowder and he got him good. At least acknowledge that you just did something that merited a flagrant one and that maybe you're not the best person to speak on the subject at the moment. Have some fun with it and be a little self-effacing. I know I would have appreciated it, and looked at his comment in a completely different way. I sometimes think AD is watching and listening to LeBron and taking notes. And when it comes to taking stands and speaking in public, that would not be my go-to mentor. But back to Booker. He's also showing that he has that Russell Westbrook tendency to attempt to play his way out of trouble by playing faster which the Lakers are clearly happy to see. Because for Booker, that means more turnovers. Game three, quietly, the 
Suns kind of worked their way back in it and had a shot to at least make the Lakers a little bit nervous. Except that Booker, missing shots, couldn't wait to get back to the other end and turn the ball over twice in the last two minutes, snuffing out any chance of making the Lakers nervous. When you're trying to claw back into a game, turnovers are the absolute last thing you need. Missed shots? Okay. Turnovers? Backbreakers. Because not only do you not get a shot, but chances are the opposition's going the other way on a fast break. What Booker also doesn't seem to understand is that what he does gives license to everyone else. Right after Booker got his flagrant two, Jay Crowder got himself ejected, apparently, for confronting Schroeder. And this didn't appear to be a, I'm sticking up for my teammate gesture, as much as a, I'm as frustrated as he is move, and I might as well head to the locker room as well. This is the thing, is Booker is portrayed as a player capable of leading a team, having the talent to lead the team, but not, not the temperament from what I'm seeing. What I've also seen in this series is that Booker's not all that great moving without the ball. And I don't mean to be running all this down to, to just to kill the kid. Because he is talented. He is talented. No question. But I've just been hearing about how he's underappreciated and underrated. And in watching him in this series, I'm not so sure about that. He's great once the ball is in his hands. Even moving without the ball, coming off of a screen, catching it, shoot, good. But against a good defense, he struggles to free himself off the ball, the way, say, Trey Young and Steph Curry do. Now, now I know that's a high bar, but again, I'm assessing Devin Booker by that bar because of so many players, former, current, and some media, talking about what an unsung superstar he is. He's got superstar talent, but he's not a superstar player. At least not yet. He also hasn't developed the art yet of manufacturing points by getting to the free throw line or finishing at the cup or finding different ways to score when his long-range shot is not going down. Yeah, he went 17 for 17 in Game 2, but you need to take a closer look at that. Ten of those were in the final 64 seconds, and the Lakers had a chokehold on the game. Those, those free throws, I don't want to go so far as to say they were meaningless, but it was not like he was keeping the Lakers in check by getting to the free throw line. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. During the regular season, he averaged less than six free throws a game and was 17th in attempts. De'Aaron Fox, Jeremy Grant, and Colin Sexton got to the free throw line more regularly than he did. 
And we can't even talk about the defensive end of the floor. His footwork, effort level, ability to play angles, overall strength, whether to guard his position. I mean, I don't know that he can guard his position, much less multiple ones. He clearly has not spent a whole lot of time on that part of his game. And in a playoff game, for a playoff team, with aspirations of doing anything more than just getting in, rest assured that all of that is vital. Steph Curry had to become at least a decent defender. You can get it. The old line is, if you're a a championship contender, if you have hopes of, of playing for a title, you can get away with maybe a half of a bad defender, a a mediocre, one of the five is a mediocre defender among your your main five. But you can't go beyond that. You can't have an outright bad defender. Not in this day and age. You get exposed. In the playoffs, get exposed. And rest assured, all of that with Devin Booker, the Lakers are readily going to expose it down the stretch of every game. By the way, a couple of podcasts ago, I also meant to make a joke about how out of character the recent themes of Chris Paul's State Farm commercials have been. What with him always being fearful that something bad is going to happen. You know, the one is the little girl on the bicycle, and then there's another one where he's out in his uh, driveway with his kids. And and then the latest, the one that I have seen the most during games is him looking out his front window with his kids, uh, afraid of whoever or whatever is coming up his front walk. And my my thought was, Chris Paul's not afraid of anything. Like <laughs> this is this is the toughest dude, or at least as tough as any dude in the league. But seeing him so mournfully sitting on the bench for the better part of these last two games in sweats. I'm having to rethink that. And that maybe it wasn't Cliff Paul at the door. That was Father Time paying yet another visit. And Chris Paul has every reason to be fearful of that because of what he's experiencing right now. I want to circle back for a minute to the Anthony Davis incident in the opening minutes of Game 2 when he took a step-back jumper and kicked Jay Crowder, who was defending him, and he kicked him square in the groin. I went on Fox Sports Radio later that night and was asked about it. And first of all, those are always tricky interviews, I'll just tell you. Uh, You don't always know what you're going to be asked. Usually the game is just over. Uh, There's not a whole lot of time to sift through what you're going to say uh, or contemplate what you're going to say. That's why I love this podcast. It gives me a chance to kind of sit back a little bit and collect my thoughts. So anyway, I was asked about that kick. And I said there was precedent that while he only got a flagrant one in the game, for the league to look at it and potentially suspend him for a game. I mentioned the less demonstrative action that resulted in campaign getting tossed later in the same game 
and Draymond Green being suspended after swinging his arm at LeBron James' crotch in Game 4 of the 2016 NBA Finals. Now, in that particular game, Game 4, the refs called offsetting fouls on both Draymond and LeBron on the play. But the next day, Draymond was retroactively given a flagrant one by the league, which combined with his previous three flagrant fouls, resulted in him being suspended. When I compared Draymond being suspended with the league possibly retroactively suspending AD, my loving fans, who bleed purple and gold, were quick to point out in no uncertain terms that Draymond didn't get suspended for that one act, but for the accumulation of too many flagrant fouls. To which I would say, technically, you're right. But in reality, come on. The league did not have to ret retroactively assess a flagrant foul for Draymond's action in Game 4. It easily could have moved on. After all, he didn't make contact. LeBron didn't complain. The refs working the game considered LeBron no more nor less a bad actor in the moment as Draymond. And am I to believe the league didn't know that by retroactively assessing Draymond a flagrant foul, it meant they were suspending him for Game 5? Come on. It's a little bit like the league suspending Amari Stoudemire and Boris Diaw for stepping a few feet away from the bench when Robert Ory hip-checked Steve Nash into the scorer's table in Game 4 of a second-round series between the Suns and Spurs. I can't remember the year off offhand. The O-somethings. Ory was, Ory was suspended, too. And Stu Jackson, the league official in charge of such things at the time, said he was simply following the letter of the law about players leaving the bench area when an on-court fracas occurred. Now, the purpose of that rule was to eliminate bench-clearing brawls. Just as the league has made a point to outlaw the leg kick on shots, particularly those who connect with a defender's groin. Rules are not black and white. They still need to be interpreted. Did what Amari and Boris do warrant being suspended and giving San Antonio a clear advantage in Game 5? Hell no! Did what Draymond do in Game 4 warrant giving him a retroactive flagrant so he would be suspended for game five of the NBA Finals. An entire game. Hell no. Is the league attempting to send a message that it's not going to tolerate any extracurricular activity by ejecting campaign for pushing Alex Caruso and then after Caruso came back at Cam and slapped the ball out of his hands or tried to, Cam threw the ball at him? It would seem so. They are trying to show they're not going to tolerate any of that extracurricular activity. Were they sending a similar message when they reviewed Devin Booker's shove of Dennis Schroeder and kicked Devin out of the game? It would seem so. So how is reviewing AD's leg kick, something the league has made a concerted effort to eradicate, and that clearly had a little extra oomph to it at the end if you take off your purple and gold glasses. How is seeing if that merits a suspension some egregious thought? Lakers fans, 
Your paranoia is quite something. No one is out to get you or your team. That white van without any back windows coming down the street isn't full of bad guys looking to kidnap you. And your team isn't above the law just because they're defending champs and wear purple and gold. Or at least they shouldn't be. Final thought. Man, it's a repeat of the one from the previous podcast. All of you getting hyped about what the Brooklyn Nets are doing to the Boston Celtics might want to take a look around the rest of the Eastern Conference. I mentioned in the previous podcast about what the Philadelphia 76ers are doing with the Washington Wizards. You also might want to look at what the Milwaukee Bucks are doing to the Miami Heat, dismantling them at both ends. And we'd all have to agree that while the Heat are not what they were a year ago this time, they're still a more formidable outfit than the Celtics, with or without Jalen Brown. And the Bucks, now up 3-0, have toyed with them the last two games, including in Miami earlier tonight. One of their new additions, Drew Holiday, had a plus 41. Giannis, meanwhile, has made 11 of his last 14 free throws after going 6-for-13 in Game 1. I'm just saying, don't be myopic. The Bucks are up next. Better keep an eye on them. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show. I don't just say that to expel breath. It does help. Trust me. Helps. Love hearing from you. Love knowing what you like, don't like about the show. Please rate and review it on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And this is the last podcast of the week. So we'll have a full slate of weekend games, and we will get to them again next Monday for sure. Hope you're enjoying the daily podcast. I know I am. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.